This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Walker. My co-host today, as usual, is Kim. And today we have Scott Palava joining us, which Scott is the owner of Lonsdale Automotive. And he is also the original founder of the auto shop owners group that many of y'all know as ASOG. And we're going to talk to him about the story of how that came to be. Before we get too far into the podcast, I do want to thank our sponsors, RepairPal. Thank you for providing this episode. RepairPal's certified network of shops are trusted by millions of customers each month. Learn more at RepairPal.com forward slash shops. Well, hey, Scott, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. This is pretty cool. Yeah, we've known each other for a while and we've had plenty of opportunity to talk. And yeah, the discussion has come up before about how you started ASOC. Like you are the original founder of this group. We wanted to, to tell the story or have you tell the story about that. Kim recently did a podcast episode where she was telling shop owners to get off of the island because we keep finding this recurring theme of shop owners that are just, they're out there and they feel alone. And I thought that it would be a great follow-up episode to have you on. Oh, absolutely. More than willing to share. It's uh, The story is just as important as uh, what ASOG is doing. So I'll be honest with you, I really, as a technician turned shop owner, I really didn't know what I was doing. I thought I could do it faster, better, and cheaper than the boss where I was working. So I went out on my own. Uh, it'll be 18 years ago in July. And I had all these preconceived notions of how it should work. And boy, was I wrong. And right out of the shoot, I mean, I, I was you know really busy at first. Well, of course I was. I was the, the flash in the pan in the area. And I was busy for a long time, but I just didn't seem to be making any money. And as time went on, it, I don't want to say desperation, but it becomes the grind. And it's the same thing over and over. You know, I need to get more cars in so I can make more money. Hey, guess what? We're open Saturdays now because I need to make more money. And, oh, we're open late two nights a week because I got to make more money. And, and oh, pretty soon I had a fleet of tow trucks and everything else because I got to make more money. And I wasn't making any more money. So ultimately, it was a lot of my bad decisions or lack of knowledge. I was looking for help. Now, I'd been with a business coach early on, but it was in the like maybe 2007 or so I went with the coaching company and I got a certificate of completion, but man, I really didn't know squat. You got a participation trophy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, for what I paid for, I had to have something. So I got a certificate, but I never really felt like I got a couple of tidbits out of it, but not enough to really steer everything the right way. And then with the onset of Facebook and all the different groups and all that stuff coming around, and I've joined a lot of technicians groups and What ended up happening was, I don't have a problem telling this aspect of the story. It's very detailed. I had a customer that came in. She had a, just a worn out old Infinity. And this Infinity had a integrated radio and heater control module all in one. They're notorious for going out, but being the people pleaser and all that stuff, I want to help her out. So I priced out a, they don't do new ones, but a refurb from Nissan and I priced out a used one. And when she okayed the used one, 
I gave her a 90-day warranty. First of all, why was I warranting used parts for 90 days? I have no idea. And I barely made anything on it. You know, the markup was minuscule because I thought, well, I'm 30% markup or some crap like that. I ended up, we installed it, and she was at about day 85 when that unit failed. And I had to track one down again. And guess what? The next one that was available was more than what I sold that first one to her for. So I not only took a beating on, I made no parts markup. I had to pay shipping back to the original supplier to get credit back. I had to pay a technician to change it again. And I was like, this is stupid. Then when she came to pick it up, she said, "Uh, so now I have an additional 90 days, right? And I said, actually, no, you are out of warranty because it failed at 85 and now we're, you know, five days into it after the new one got shipped to us. So you're out of warranty. And she lost her marbles and started threatening me with all kinds of legal action and everything. And her mom worked in an attorney's office. Turns out she's probably a janitor or something. I don't know what, what her job at the attorney's office was, but, you know, all kinds of threats. And I really didn't know what to do. She's demanding a copy of the invoice from my supplier, you know, various other things. So I get to that point where I was feeling like this is why do I do this? Why do I put myself in this position? I can't be the only person that has ever run into this before. I went onto Facebook and I went onto one of the, uh, or several of the technicians pages and I posed the question, here's what happened. How would you guys handle this? And it became very apparent on, in, tech, in the technician world, there's, we got everybody from lube techs to seasoned master techs in that environment, but very few of them actually understood the business side of it. I mean, they were telling tell her to go pound sand and all that stuff, but that doesn't work from a business standpoint. It might, from a technician standpoint, what happens in the shop is a completely different world than what happens at the front counter. And I'm in a small town. I mean, we, at the time we were less than 4,000 people. I really didn't want to have that reputation. And I decided, you know, after listening to a lot of these technicians answers and a few owners or service advisors and stuff that, you know, kind of talked to me a little bit about it, I said, you know what, we should have a platform to talk about these type of a thing. So that night I literally went over to the left side and says, create group. And I started ASOG and that was how it all started. I was desperate need of help, not for a big problem, just for a little problem, but figured there's got to be other people that have similar problems. So that's what happened. So what year was that when you started it? I believe it was about eight years ago. I'd have to double check here. Yeah, I think seven, eight years ago. And how many people did it start with? Well, I added my wife, my friend Dan up the road here from his shop, my friend Tim from the transmission company. I think that night they all got sucked into it. Uh, they didn't know it. Voluntold, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I, that first night I had five members. What I did do was in all of those technician pages, I did... Those groups, I said, hey, guys, if anybody is interested, if if there's any owners, and at the time I was including service managers or stuff like that, if anybody wants to talk about management type things, come over here and check out this group. And I actually got blasted pretty heavily from those pages. You want to talk about the tax? You want you all you guys want to do is worry about how you can screw us over and all that. And like, no, you, you know what? Come on over. You can join. You want to talk about insurance? You want to talk about taxes? That's what this is about. This is the technical side of business ownership. It, this isn't c- to complain about you. And I actually, a few of the groups, the admins immediately removed my posts that I had started this group, which I thought was kind of selfish. But within the first week, I think I had 500 members. It was just, you know, it was crazy. And it started to grow kind of like wildfire. So there was a few people that were really heavy contributors that had been very involved and seemed like they had some business acumen. So I asked them to come on board as part of the admin moderator team or whatever, because I couldn't do it all myself. 
And yeah, so then it just continued to grow. And I think last number I looked at were just under 7,000 members. That is in the main group. And then we also have another group called Starting an Auto Repair Shop for people that aren't currently owners, but are interested in possibly getting into it. They want to learn a little more of the groundwork. So we're not asking the same questions over and over of our regular season members, you know, what's the best SMS? How do I go about credit card processing? You know, that kind of stuff. You know, the majority of our shops don't need those conversations, but And then we actually have a a used equipment page also. So if somebody's looking to start both business owners or just the general public, we've got, I want to say, almost 8,000 members in that one that is selling used shop equipment. I had no idea about the starting an auto repair shop group. That is something that I I could have sent people to many times. We don't know each other. We don't ever talk. Oh, so Kim Kim knew about it. Yes. (laughs) I have promoted that group before. (laughs) Yes, that's been a really good one where we've had a lot of people that have gone in and they start asking these questions like, no, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I don't want to do this. So I knew about the starting a shop group, but not about the used equipment. I bet Brian Walker knows about that one. See, look at him shaking his head. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious, Scott, you're talking about how you created that group and you've had it now for all these years. Facebook, we joke that we go to bed, the smartest in our industry, meaning marketing, digital, all that stuff, but we wake up the dumbest because it changes so fast. When you started this group, community was not a push for Facebook necessarily. And then they came out and said, we really want to push community. So groups are going to be a very big deal for Facebook and the platform. So there's been a tremendous amount of changes when it comes to managing a group. How have you kept up with that? Well, I tell you, I mean, I've got a great team of moderators that really do a lot of the the work. And I'll be honest with you, I actually was very absent for almost a year. My son had some mental health issues and stuff. So I kind of stepped away. What ASOG is today is never what I ever envisioned intended or wanted. It's kind of like, look at the monster that I've created, but it's been a good monster, I guess. Like with business, as business grows, there's headaches and stuff. We try to maintain a little higher level of decorum than other groups. There's been several groups that have, I don't say spun off, but people have left or whatever because they felt maybe we were too formal. You know, we have a, we have a no profanity rule. Now, some people might say that's you know, juvenile. Actually, one group they went on to say that we don't have those rules because we're, we're all a bunch of technicians, you know, and we're going we're gonna to talk like that. But my thought on it is, as an employer, if you have rules for your staff and they don't follow those rules, they can move on or you can have them move on or they can comply. Why is it that these shop owners think that they are not subject to any rules of decorum at all? I mean, it's one thing. Yeah, I could swear with the best of them. I could say things that make a drill instructor blush. But at the same time, I'm a city councilman. I was a scout leader. I have the ability to control. So it's one of those things we've tried to maintain a pretty civil and level of decorum that isn't what a lot of groups are doing. Raising the professionalism of the industry. And that's a great place to start is just in the way that you converse with others. What happens back in the shop, you know, I even joke about it with the techs. I mean, they will talk crap and, you know, whatever. And then if they have to come up to the front to speak to a client, they are a completely different person. 
And I'm like, I, my kids are the same way. And I'm so proud of them for doing that, you know, <laughs> because they can say some stuff and it just scares me. And the next minute they're like, oh, your kids are so sweet. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Our son just joined the military, right? So some, what is it? You are a combination of the five people you hang around with the most. Well, just imagine if he's around a bunch of soldiers, he comes home rarely and he's like, I can watch him because he knows I'm talking to my mom. I would imagine he might be a little bit more relaxed with Brian, but I can see that he's like, okay, don't say that. I actually caught him one time and I'm like, I know what you wanted to say. (laughs) He's like, I'm sorry, mom, I'm trying. (laughs) I need my home filter to put on. So yes, that's been part of it. We've been trying to maintain a change in the industry that has uh, professionals because that's what we're trying to do. And not saying technicians can't be professional, but overall, if we're going to lead the charge. We have to lead by example. Our friends at RepairPal are making today's episode possible. Don't lose work to your competition. Today's consumers check pricing during all stages of the repair process, before, during, and after. Did you know that 81% of them do online price comparisons before making a purchase and customers that check your price after they've already authorized the work do so after calling the competition? But RepairPal, the largest auto repair network, has a solution. Their fair price estimator tool can be put on your website to help you build trust with consumers up front to demystify price, help educate consumers about what's involved in the repair, bring you higher web traffic, and prevent your customers from calling your competition. You have to be in it to win it, so head on over to repairpal.com forward slash shops and set up a call to learn more about becoming RepairPal certified. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. That's repairpal.com forward slash shops. Do you have like maybe the top one or two, three moments in these past years where you've been like, I'm so glad I had that group. This is how they helped me solve this problem. The one that gets me and I'm getting goosebumps again, and you may have heard this story. It was right after I started the group. At the time, there wasn't a lot of vetting questions or stuff like that. I remember it was a Sunday night. I got a message request to pop through on, or not a message request, a join request. At, on Sunday night, it was like nine o'clock at night. I don't even know if I was at work or at home, whatever. And on my phone, but it said, so-and-so asked to join Auto Shop Owners Group. And I just hit approve. So it was done in 15 seconds. And that gave it two thoughts after that. The following evening, I got a message on Messenger from this individual. He stated that the very first thing he said, thank you for accepting me into your group. I want you to know you saved my life. And at first I thought, well, you know, people say that, you know, your livelihood and everything else. But as I read, what happened was it was a Sunday night. He was overwhelmed. He said he had no money. He was, the shop was in in a spiral. He was in despair. He didn't know what to do. He had told his wife he was going to go down to the shop and go work on some paperwork and stuff, tucked his kids into bed. And he went to the shop and he sat down on his computer to write his uh, suicide note. And he was going to hang himself in his shop that night. And when he sat down and... He, I don't know what it is, you know, if you're trying to get the the courage, whatever, and he went on Facebook and it showed up, suggested for you was the group. And he thought it was odd because he had never seen anything like that. And he clicked on it and it's the very first line is, you know, we're here to help people. You know, you're not, not on an island and we want to help everybody. And I instantly approved him and he just started reading the posts that had happened. Now, mind you, I mean, the group was only six months old, nine months old, 
But he said that as he read through the stuff, he sat at his desk that night and he just kept reading and reading. And within a couple hours, he realized he wasn't on his own. So he said a few hours later, he went home, he went to bed, got a short night of sleep, but his mind was reeling, got up the next morning and he went to work with a whole new mindset that if anybody else can do it, he can do it too. And he just started taking in that information. He said that first day back to work, short on sleep, off that adrenaline high of almost ending his life and everything. He decided that was the beginning of a new era for him. And you know what? If that's all that I ever did, you know, that that it did was save one person's life, hey, I'll deal with all the other BS. Absolutely. You know, I will tell you that I have heard that story a couple of times, but every single time I hear it, it's like I've heard it for the first time. And I do get those chill bumps every single time. I mean, and I'm not in the group, not a shop owner, but... I can't imagine that it's only saved one person's life. You just don't know what people come in there with. And, but I get it. Even if it is just one, like you think of the impact one life has on someone, right? The family members, the kids, the employees, the customers. So just by saying that, it's definitely saved more than one life. And it doesn't even have to be a life, you know? I mean, it could, if it saves a business or how many marriages, you know, has it, potentially mm-hmm. saved. But Cam and I look at it sometimes at the the number of people that just our business impacts. And small business owners, they need to wrap their head around that, that it's beyond them. It's beyond them and their employees, but it's them. It's their employees. It's their families. It's the people that spread out, the, like the extended families. You impact so many people. And when you can take a business that's struggling and make that into a business that's thriving and you help that business to grow, the number of people that you're impacting goes so far beyond what you actually see. I'll use an example. Well, it wasn't that long ago. Everyone in town, you know, looked at it. I was a successful business owner. I owned the, you know, this big shop on the corner and I had the fleet of tow trucks and all that stuff. My kids were getting free school lunches and breakfast because we couldn't, I'd give my wife a hundred dollars a week for groceries so she could buy groceries for us. I mean, we were freaking broke. At one point, my house was in foreclosure and my building was in foreclosure. I was broke as broke. I mean, the stringing myself up was probably an option at the time too. But as time went on, I learned more and more from other people and how to get things dialed in. And now where I am right now is Christmas, you know, the holiday season, for example, the church in one of the churches in town does a adopt a family type thing. And, uh, my wife is, you know, she's up there. She's writing checks. You know, she's like, how many families can I sponsor? That sort of thing. As a scout leader for years, I don't, until I retired a, a couple of years ago, I don't think anybody realized what it took to run a Boy Scout troop monetarily. I just paid for it. I mean, there was huge dollar amounts that would never ask for fuel reimbursements or anything at all. I would buy equipment and just throw it in the trailer. There was, I was trying to just giving back, trying to give as much as I can, because I never wanted to be that person to die in a mansion, you know, surrounded by all kinds of things. I've always been kind of a people pleaser, and this is how I have to do it. That's how I do it. So at some point, the auto shop owners group turned into this monster that you love, right? You probably have a love-hate, right? Probably depends on the day. I know how that happens, but I know that y'all have found the need for sending shop owners to training, right? You have scholarships. Like, how did that come about? It's a pretty unique story. So after a couple of years, people wanted to start meeting at, uh, meet up at training events. You know, who's going to vision was 
So a bunch of people that were going to Vision wanted to get together for dinner just to hang out. These are our Facebook friends. Let's meet in person. So they met at a, a barbecue joint and it was all cool. And then they decided to do it a, another time. But when you start getting a large group of people, it's really hard to say, hey, we're going to just drop in with 35, 40 people at a restaurant. They can't support it. So it was agreed that we were going to, you had to sign up or, you know, let us, you know, we we're going to make reservations. Well, then a bunch of people didn't show up. So it left people kind of foot in the bill for anticipated amounts. So then we started doing pre-registration. The pre-registration thing was great. Actually, I think uh, Lucas Underwood, you know, kind of headed that up. He's like, yeah, just, we'll just, everybody just pay me through, I don't know, is it Venmo or PayPal? Pay, put it in my PayPal and we'll, I'll just pay the bill when we're there. That way, if you don't show up, somebody else isn't paying for your seat. And uh, we did that. Well, then a few uh, uh, industry leaders decided, they heard about it and they're like, well, we want to throw a little bit of money in that to help offset your dinner. So, you know, here was, you know, somebody threw in 500 bucks and, you know, here's another 200 bucks or whatever. Well, then all of a sudden we had all this money and it actually far exceeded what the dinner was going to be for our members. And then it was discussed, you know, well, do we just give everybody a refund back? You know, what are we going to do with it? And one of our members said, you know, it'd be awesome if we could use some of that money and maybe we could find a shop owner that really needed help and we could do a scholarship for him. So that's what happened. And we decided to put together the scholarship, which was for the Bunyard family, which, and we weren't like a formal organization. This was just, we had some money and we wanted to help somebody. And that family, they were a mixed family, lots of littles. I want to say they had six kids between the, the two of them. He was a diesel tech for a Ford dealer, I believe. And she had zero experience. And here she was running the front with kids there. They were living in an apartment above their shop because they couldn't afford to live in their house. They were renting their household that they own, and they were living in an apartment that actually didn't even meet minimum legal guidelines for an apartment. My manager at the time, we met Lacey at Vision and talked to her, and she said, for us, it's diapers or repair parts, car parts. We have to decide what, how we're going to make this work. And so they both attended training, and they got dialed in. And I want to say within the next year, they had it turned around to the point where I think they, it was the first year or second year, they actually were recognized as like a business leader in their community. They were doing, buying and repairing cars and donating them to families in need. And then they decided that shop ownership wasn't for them and they closed the shop and they're happy. And I still see them on Facebook. We still talk. They're happy. It's better to go out on your own terms than to just walk away from it because you've lost it all. How about the last guy? How's he doing today? Does he still have the shop? Did he get out of the industry? Oh, the last guy I'm trying. The one that reached out and said, this group saved my life. I, so I'll be honest with you. We kind of lost touch over the years and I haven't been able to find him. So I don't know if he's, some people just get out of, out of the industry or out of social media. That's been a big thing for people too. So I only had connection through him through Facebook. So I haven't spoken to him or people change their names and stuff on that. I have not heard from him in quite a while. So, but I guess I'll assume that maybe it's, it was a, a career change or whatever it may be. And I, I'll just keep telling myself that everything was good. <laughs> so Ace Haga also does these peer groups or I believe y'all called a mastermind, right? Yeah. So Ace Hog mastermind actually started a group of people, they started chatting amongst themselves and they decided to kind of do like a, a mastermind or not a, quite a 20 group, but they were all just kind of pushing each other, asking, bouncing questions off each other. So they started to get together every week. 
via Zoom or Google Meet. I don't remember. And I don't even know. There might have been eight or 10 of them. And they were just doing it on their own. There was no formal affiliation with the group. It was just a bunch of members doing it. And they all got themselves dialed in and got very successful in their businesses. And it got to the point where they didn't need each other anymore. The drive wasn't there because once your business is to that next level, what's that person going to do for you? So they kind of lost their enthusiasm for it and they kind of petered out. And some of the members kind of missed that camaraderie and that loyalty. And they said, nice that we could bring it back. But then it became, well, we have these high functioning shops and then we're going to have, is that truly going to be a peer-to-peer thing? Are you going to feel intimidated or underqualified to be there? So it was decided to make it a little more of a mentoring type thing. We started it that way. So we actually have a, a leadership team that is made up of some experienced shop owners that doing well. And then we provide that free one-on-one peer-to-peer mentoring. And we have, as people kind of move up, I'm going to say move up the ranks, but as they get dialed in, they stay on as part of our leadership team. Because one thing we did find, we actually started a group early on. And we had to separate or we had to dissolve it because it got to be too much. We started one for brand new shops. We called it the 101. It was a lot of one-man operations that they needed the basics. And we were doing that and it got to be so labor intensive because they didn't know anything. But the thing was, is we got a lot of pushback from those members because they would tell us we didn't understand where they were coming from because we were these highfalutin shop owners that we didn't know what it's like to be in their shoes. So we moved them, everybody from that program into the main peer-to-peer. And it was amazing once all these other people were saying, I was where you were six months ago, but here's where I am now. Listen to these guys because they're sharing with you what you need to get your feet underneath you. Now, our mastermind program is not a be-all, end-all. It is not to replace coaching or anything at all. But many of these shops and owners are not able to even consider hiring a coach. They don't have the money for it. They can barely keep the lights turned on. They can't, they're not collecting a paycheck. Let's throw another thousand or 1500 bucks a month at a coach. So what we're doing is we're getting them to that point where they have some money in the bank. They realize it can be done. We're giving them the basics, the fundamentals, and then they can take that. And we encourage them to interview with coaches and get on with a coaching company. It's interesting to me that every industry has some of these same sort of issues. And I saw Brian nodding his head. I'm wondering if he's thinking the same thing I'm about to say, which is even us as former shop owners, now agency owners in our agency world, we're in a coaching group that had different groups within. And the group that we were in, we were with other agencies who we're doing marketing for like Coca-Cola and Walmart, you know, like they're big. And I remember us leaving some of those just kind of deflated, like, oh my gosh, these guys are big and huge and we'll never be there. And it there was, was just self-defeating. Yeah. And so we ended up for a variety of reasons we left, but are now, and Brian is the one that's, he went to the first event now that we're back in that organization and he just went to an event. And I'll let him tell you about the change from then to now. Yeah, it just went from this place of feeling defeated to feeling like, okay, I belong here. The people who listen to this podcast are probably tired of hearing about it at this point. But, you know, the things that did that were EOS, profit first, niching down when we did those things. And really, it was a decision that it was like, okay, we're going to run this thing like a business. 
you know, I was that shop owner that, man, I could have used ASOG in a bad way. We did eventually get some coaching and that helped out tremendously. But I mean, I remember when I first started about four months into the business and a lady from the North Carolina Department of Revenue comes knocking on the door and she's like, hey, y'all haven't been paying your taxes. And I'm like, I don't know what taxes I'm supposed to be paying. You know, I don't know anything about this. And that wasn't on the post-it note. How could you be like I have such respect for technicians. Technicians are smart. Like they are incredibly smart people. But you take us out from under the hood of a car and you put us behind a desk and all of a sudden we become idiots. And, you know, it's because it's got a different background. Yeah. I mean, we like my brain did not work that way. Now my brain works that way, but it has required the relationships with other business owners. It has required the coaching and the shop owners that are out there that are on that island. They probably feel like I felt like an idiot. Well, you're not an idiot. You're incredibly smart. You just have to learn something different. We have people that have come into, they've come into our mentoring or our mastermind and told us we didn't know what we were talking about. And, you know, I can't do that in my market. You don't understand my customers. You don't understand my area, you know, all these things, right? And they've left because they said, I can't do that. I can't do that. Within a few months, we start seeing them participating in chats in the ASOC and they're saying the stuff that we told them. So they eventually said, maybe we'll take a little bit of that. And they realized they could build off of it. And now it's kind of funny. I go back, I could see this person like, yep, I remember that. That meeting when I told him he needs to do that. Maybe it's like the parent-child relationship where you tell your kid something and they're like, whatever, that's not gonna. And then another parent tells them the same thing. And it's like, oh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, good stuff. Scott, we appreciate you being with us today. If someone wanted to get involved with ASOG, how would they do that? Well, we are on Facebook. Uh, You can just type in ASOG and that will bring up a number of our pages, the starting a repair shop, the main page and the equipment page. Otherwise, our website is ASOG.site, you know, ASOG.site because, you know, those four letter domains are really expensive. (laughs) We went with a little more economical, and that'll, that's our website. And on the website, that actually has information that includes our Facebook group, but it also covers our scholarship program and how to, if you want to donate to the program, because we do require uh, sponsorships to make this scholarship work. I mean, Shop Marketing Pros has been a great partner with us over the years. We appreciate everything that you've been able to do for us uh, with the scholarship program and in some of our live in-person trainings and stuff like that. So I think that's been awesome. But those are the best ways. Also, it's there is the David and Lucas podcast, which is the Changing the Industry podcast. That was actually originally started as the ASOG podcast, but they were getting so much influx of technicians and managers and vendors that we were only trying to funnel to shop owners, but they were getting so many. That was the rebrand. You know, it's a different name, but it's still an integral part of what the ASOG organization does. Awesome. And then y'all are having your dinner at ASTE. Is that right? Yep. ASTE. Yep. We've got the Briar Creek Country Club set up. So yeah, it's pretty fancy. We know that place. Oh, you've been there. You've been there. Okay. Awesome. Well, remember our shop was in Apex. So we're super familiar with that. Yeah. So I think that's September 29th. Yeah, it's on that Friday night. We've got the dinner. We'll be opening up for the scholarship applications soon, as well as to get tickets to the dinner. 
We've got a very motivating speaker who's got a, a unique perspective on life. His name's John Creasel. He's Iraq war vet, actually from Minneapolis area here. He lost both of his legs in an IED explosion, which also killed his comrades in his Humvee. And how the various points in your life, how you can be down and you could turn it into a positive. He's a great guy. I, and every time I see his presentation, I, it's chilling. But it's one that you, you have to see to appreciate. Well, we're looking forward to being there and seeing that in September. Yeah. Scott, thank you again for being on here. Thank you for what you do in the industry. For those of you who are listening, remember, we are just one of five podcasts on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find out more about the others at aftermarketradionetwork.com. We hope that you will listen again next week. And until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.